Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the TBD podcast. Today, we have a bonus episode for you, um, just between myself, Heath Monsma, and uh, Mr. White, uh, the physics teacher here at Pioneer. Uh, we It's a bonus episode, and it's a special one, because we only discuss virtual learning. Um, we dabble into his teaching style, but it's not your traditional 45-minute um, uh, TBD interview. It's only a quick little 15-minute soundbite on um, some of the pros and cons of virtual learning, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Mr. White. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Today, I want to talk to you about virtual learning. Let's start at the beginning. In the spring, when everything started going downhill and everyone barely knew what coronavirus was, can you walk me through how you taught and what was going on in your mind? Well, I think in the springtime, I don't know if you can call it virtual learning, um, you know, the, the closure kind of came so suddenly and then we thought we were going to go back to school. And then the governor came out and said that schools were going to be closed until the end of the school year. So uh, the district and all districts had to scramble to figure out what, what they could do. Um, the governor had said in one of her one of her releases, you know, essentially to do no harm to students. So, so I, you know, 18 assignments and if, you know, and I thought it was pretty fair considering that I'm sure there were a lot of people who had technical issues, uh, connectivity issues, all kinds of things. I mean, there were students who were dealing with, you know, parents and family members who might've been experiencing COVID at that point. So there was a lot of things going on. And I think the district's attitude about, um, just trying to make it as smooth and painless as possible was, was the right way to go. You know, but again, it was on the other hand, though, you know, it wasn't um, it wasn't anything close to what school would have been had we had we stayed in school. You know, I mean, there just wasn't the ability to um, move through the material um, like you would have otherwise. It's frustrating for for parents. I think it was frustrating for for staff because, you know, teachers, teachers want to teach and it wasn't really teaching. Yeah, um, especially in a class like physics where you can't just get up there and lecture all the time. That students have to learn through experimentation and discoveries from those experiments. Um, can you speak to how that was affected by the online learning environment in the spring? Absolutely. Well, and, you know, so I tried to do um, some video, uh, I guess, video clips of several different physics scenarios where, you know, students would have been able to gather data, you know, if my camera had been better, you know. Um, we did some acceleration experiments where I'm rolling a cart down a ramp and you'd like to be able to see the location of the cart at different points in time, but that's very difficult to do with a video clip. And so, you know, instead of giving students the ability to gather the information and collect data on their own, they were sort of all been, they're all being given a, a similar set of data that they were asked to manipulate at that point. So it wasn't really an experiment, you know, um, and then the other piece to that is, you know, the big part of physics in my class is, is the collaboration. You know, it's, it's like, hey, let's talk about what we saw here and let's try to figure out what it is we saw. And, and I think that collaboration piece was the biggest or, or just as big. Um, the loss of the lab experience and then the loss of the collaboration experience, I think uh, both were, you know, big hurdles. Yeah, looking forward to this upcoming fall, do you think that they've made enough improvements to help with that collaboration aspect? Do you think that the software and the breakout rooms and the advisory periods are going to be enough to keep that sense of community? Well, I, yeah, I think 
I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic. You know, I, I think teaching virtually, and I've had conversations with colleagues both at Pioneer and, and in other districts, and I think um, the challenge uh, to teach virtually is is a challenge in and of itself. You know, how, how you can do this effectively with students is really, really big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's one point. The second point is, um, you know, that how do you incorporate this learning management system, this Schoology system, you know, all teachers have had over the past three weeks or so is just really concentrated professional development on all the aspects of the Schoology platform. But, you know, in terms of actually doing it with students, uh, there's been very little of that. And so it worries me that, uh, you know, teachers are going to be asked to implement this, this platform when in fact um, they're going to be, you know, barely better at it than the students are because they will not have had a, a chance to actually work with it and really kind of, you know, get to understand the nuances of the of the platform to make it as effective as it can be. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, there's obviously the lack of connectivity between students, but is there also a lack of connectivity between the teachers? Have you felt that at all? Um, when you were struggling in the spring, did you have ways to reach out to other teachers? Well, we've got a, a like a group chat in our science department, which has been which has been very good. You know, I mean, as, as much as a chat can be, uh, in terms of people, you know, in, in, in referencing Schoology specifically, you know, people say, "Hey, well, how do you do this?" Or has anybody done this before? Um, or I need some help with this particular aspect. And so, it, it does sort of allow people to um, draw upon each other's strengths, and that's that's been good. Um, you know, I've, I'm involved in, a, in an outside organization that, you know, concentrates on um, a pedagogical instructional approach. And, and we're doing the same sorts of things where teachers are reaching out to other teachers. And I know there's a lot more, um, a lot more evidence of teachers using uh, platforms like Twitter, Twitter specifically. There's a lot of people out there who are asking these questions and unfortunately there's there's nobody out there who's got the answer to this question because all the teachers want to know is how can i make this as good as i can get it for my students how can i make this effective how can i reach my students how can i create a culture in my classroom how can i get to know kids uh you know through through just a virtual experience on a computer screen so those conversations are happening but you know in terms of the the magic the magic bean i don't think anybody has that answer yet yeah, I think it's going to be a sort of a wait and see situation. Sure. Um, so when I was a student in your class, you had a little bit of a unique environment in that you allowed kids to kind of have their own time uh, and space to make friendships with other people in the class and work independently. Um, you were still there to guide everyone along, but you gave a lot of freedom to your students. And I f do you feel like that will still be able to be maintained in the online environment? Now that you have to be so on top of kids to turn in assignments on um, such a strict basis? Uh, well, I think the, I, I'm going to try, you know, the, the, I think the biggest challenge is, you know, the, the, in a, in a classroom, you can walk around and you don't even have to in, engage one-on-one -on -one with students to, you know, you're list, sort of like a fly on the wall listening into conversations and you can hear when specific students are struggling. You can also hear when the collective class is struggling with a particular concept. So you could stop, say, okay, everybody stop. 
come back, look at me for a second, let's talk about this and then turn you loose again, you know, and, and in a, in a virtual environment, um, you know, in the big group settings, the tendency is for a, a few people to talk and the, and the rest of the people, the majority of the people in the class to basically be silent. And sure. so that's a challenge. How do you, how do you find out what it is people are thinking? Um, you know, one of the, the, the video conferencing platforms we're going to use has the ability to do these things called breakout rooms where you could essentially, um, you know, look at a particular concept or a particular question, whatever, and then have, have students go and work in small groups, you know, groups of three or groups of four to, to address the problem. So it, it almost, it's like a lab group sort of a thing. Um, but the challenge there is, you know, walking around the room, if I got nine lab groups, I can, I can hit all nine lab groups, you know, in a minute, just, just by uh, like weaving a path around the room. But to, to pop into a breakout room to kind of hear what's going on and then pop out and go to another breakout room and pop out and go to another breakout room. I think, you know, you're sort of, instead of being able to kind of pick up on the nuances of the conversation as you're going from group to group, it's like you're just dropping in the middle of a conversation in the middle of somebody's comment. And then, so it's, it's hard to know what has been said or what's being talked about as you pop in from breakout room to breakout room. So that's going to be a little bit of a, uh, uh, there's going to be a learning curve there to try to figure out, you know, you know, the things I say when I pop into a breakout room, have somebody give me some sort of a synopsis of where they're at, what their questions are. And then also the challenge not, not to be stuck for too long in any one room. Otherwise the breakout sessions could take an hour and a half and that's the entirety of your class period. So <laughs> managing that sort of movement between small group, large group, and, and popping in and out of all the small groups is, I mean, that, that would be, the, I guess, the way to try to do it. But um, again, managing that is going to be a, it's going to be a slow process in the beginning. Things, right. things will not, right. they, they, things will, everything we do in, in every class will take longer than it would in a regular class and absolutely longer than we would expect it to in a virtual class. I found that to be the case this summer and the stuff that I've done. So, yeah. Would you say that's one of your biggest concerns? Um, kind of losing that intangible observation of your students as you walk around. I mean, I know that if you came into my breakout room online and you just jumped in there and I could see your little icon, I would be instantly uh, scared. I would be quiet immediately because it would just feel so much more of a presence, you know? That's exactly right. Yeah. And another thing in, in these small breakout rooms, you know, like let's say that you're in a, in a breakout with people who are your quote unquote lab group for this particular unit. You, you want to develop a relationship with those people. So you, you may very well be talking about things that aren't related to what we're doing, right? Just because that's the way conversations go. And then to have somebody pop into that, it's like, uh, 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 should we be talking about school stuff here? You know, and everybody sort of, sort of, um, you know, tries to say the right thing. Yeah, it, I, I agree with you 100%. It ends up being more of a, uh, uh, a disrupting uh, sort of a force than it is uh, uh, a collaborative enhancement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, now we've talked a lot about the disadvantages of virtual learning, but do you see any advantages uh, to the online environment that you couldn't have in a real life classroom? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, the, the big advantage of virtual learning is that is that we're not going to end up having some sort of a, 
a COVID outburst at Pioneer. I, I sure. really think that that's, that's something that's important to establish. You know, vir, you know, I know that there are issues with, with vir, the virtual, there's issues with any one of the, the possible platforms, but I think from a student safety standpoint, from a staff safety standpoint, I think virtual is the way to go, at least until the, the numbers start to trend for a yeah. longer time uh, yeah. in, in the right direction. Um, is there an advantage to virtual that I can think of? Um, unfortunately, um, at this point, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling hard to, to find the advantages, you know, again, I haven't done it yet, you know, and none of the, none of my colleagues have done it yet. And, and so there may be things that we really, really like about it that, that become apparent after the first or second week. Right now, all I, I unfortunately all I'm doing is I'm looking at, you know, this is going to be a challenge. This can be a challenge. This can be a challenge. You know, just the nuts and bolts of of running this sort of virtual class. Oh, and the other thing, is that we're going to be block schedule this semester. Right. So right. so so it's not a 55 minute class. It's a 110 minute class. Well, that changes the dynamic completely about how things go. You know, and so so that's also on my mind. So yeah, I'm looking at it more from a challenge standpoint. Um, I'm sorry if you're looking for an, uh, a, 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 an advantage, but I'm not seeing it right yet. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I appreciate your realist perspective. I know from mine as a student, um, it was certainly not as good as the real life learning. I Perhaps it'll be better in the fall. Um, I'm reserving judgment on that. But um, it does seem like there's a lot of people out there talking about how this is the wave of the future and virtual learning might accelerate um, education years into the future. And from my perspective, I just haven't seen that yet. I agree with you. Well, you know, the, the nonverbal sorts of things are lost. You know, I can look out at a classroom and I can tell right away who's got the glassy-eyed stare, who, who I just left in the dust. But in a virtual environment, everybody looks like they're catatonic for the most part. They're all just staring blankly off at the screen. You know, like, how do you, how can you tell when somebody is getting it or not getting it other than to ask them, hey, you know, give me a thumbs up whether you get this or a thumbs down if you don't get it, those sorts of things, you know. Sure. Um, sure. So all the nonverbal stuff uh, is going to be sort of lost in the early stages until you get a sense of who your kids are, too. That's the other thing. You know, you can chat students up on the way into a classroom and the way out of a classroom and get to know them a little bit, you know, and, and make stupid jokes and have you figure out what their sense of humor is. And, and I think those are the things that are going to be lost. You know, the, the sort of uh, antiseptic nature of the virtual classroom is going to make it uh, a challenge. Well, that's a nice segue into my next question. Um, are you going to continue those daily dad jokes you put on the board? Absolutely. How can I not? Uh, otherwise, otherwise, the only people that I get to to do my dad jokes to are my own children, and they're 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 done with those. <laughs> yeah, they would much rather I, I torture yeah. somebody else than them. Even though even though I, I use I use them as a as a sounding board about whether or not the joke is good enough to post. So, <laughs> yeah. and and just uh, things like that I think are important, uh, you know, to develop a culture. You know, even if they even if they seem sort of silly, um, I think they can they can go a long way. Yeah, I mean, I've never had another teacher that uh, had that as a practice. And I can honestly say that I have fond memories of trying to figure out what possible angle you could be taking with these jokes. 
and and groaning most of the time yeah well of course <laughs> i mean every time i overestimated them i thought they were going to be clever and they just never were they disappointed every time come on dude there were some good ones there were some good ones but but they were they were so they were so widely distributed that you forget that there were good ones because they were overwhelmed by the bad ones but I, I, okay um, of, course, of course that's that's the dad in me like i i'm gonna i'm gonna say that there there are jokes that i really liked and you know okay so as we reach the end uh to kind of wrap things up i have a couple yes no questions for you so would you say yes or no that your ideal outlook on next year would be to get back to in-person classes as soon as possible. That's true, correct. And you would classify your class, uh, being physics, as somewhat of a struggle, um, considering that you don't have the opportunity to do experiments and proper demonstrations and those things. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. You're welcome. And, and it's going to be interesting. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, that people keep using that word unprecedented in this room, mm -hmm. but this is this is where the unprecedented stuff starts, right? And and it's going to be there are multiple challenges. I, I think people are all going to be able to sort of meet the challenge, you know, eventually, um, students and staff, and you know, it'll 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 make it'll make teachers better, and it'll also you know, give students a sense of resiliency that and some, sometimes I think they lack a little bit. And, uh, sure. Sure. you know, you, you'll probably see you'll probably see some element of virtual instruction when you get to college and and being familiar with it when you are, you know, now maybe this isn't the way you wanted it to happen. But having a familiarity with it when you when you're in high school will certainly help moving forward into college because yeah. you never know what will happen with their platforms down the road. Well, there's a silver lining right there. Uh, way to give it a happy ending. Uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to me. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome, uh, Heath. This has been another episode of the TBD Podcast. My name is Heath Monsma. And I'm James Catanzaro. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.